The text that you are about to hear is by Charles Olavois. To find out more about this Canadian author and his previous books, visit www.charlesolevois.com. This episode is from Goodbye Philippines, a collection of short stories. The book are a fictional construction of exchanges between the author and people living in the Philippines, overseas workers, and Filipino expats. Goodbye Philippines, a podcast collection of short stories by Charles O. Levois. Through Facebook conversations, George, the narrator of Goodbye Philippines, gets glimpses of Filipino lives in the Philippines and among expatriates and overseas foreign workers. As he discovers the sufferings of the younger generation, he is often reminded of the disparity between the deprivations and emotional angst of his youth. On one trip to the Philippines, he is hospitalized in delirium and dependent on local care until he is well enough to fly home. On his return, he shuts everyone out, including Lando, the youth in the Philippines whose college education he paid for. After a long silence, his protege reaches out and the two briefly reunite online. The bond between them is poignant and Lando's longing for a father's substitute is palpable. Will George choose to pull away? Read by Warren Carey and music by Angelica Dayo, executive producer Charles O. Lavoie. Chapter 3 Drinking Buddies While he was researching a new book that had the Second World War as historic background, George went to the Philippines. An expat who lives in Canada accompanied him. While he was in Paita, Laguna, he stayed in Trinidad Quesada's three-story house. The ground floor was occupied by a widow and her 40-year-old son, who was mentally challenged as his hostess was quick to point out. Trinidad's private space was furnished with sturdy wooden tables and chairs, all decorated with carved animals and flowers and glossy with varnish. There were no faded portraits and cracked photos on the walls. The Japanese had burned the whole town as soon as they heard of the presence of the American army in Manila. As promised, Trinidad arranged for her visitor a visit to a mountain where her family hid during the Japanese occupation. The guide was a grandnephew named Nestor. In his mid-thirties, with a face entirely covered with pimples, the guy was a carver, like so many Pythenians. The hike took nearly two hours. Nestor would explain every time George asked about the surroundings what kinds of wood local carvers used and the birds heard or seen. Occasionally, he would borrow George's pocket notebook to write down a word or an expression that he thought his visitor might find useful. When his English limitations prevented him from expressing what was on his mind, Nestor would make a sketch. A few times, Nestor suggested a pause, supposedly for a smoke. George suspected that this was to allow him to catch his breath. When asked about his work, Nestor replied that he was building Disney characters with plaster of Paris. Oh, are you a good carver? I am no good, Nestor replied, shaking his head. 
He said it with so much conviction that George took his word for it. What is the most important thing in your life? I drink, Nestor replied. He followed with, I can't work on a cruise ship. They finally reached the area where Trinidad and her parents had stayed during the war. There was nothing left. The family property had been sold and lost its significance. Only Trinidad was holding on to her childhood memories. During the descent, George enjoyed the view of the rice fields and densely clustered roofs of Paita. Back in town, the two men returned to Trinidad's house. Joey Tolentino was waiting for them, a guy in his thirties nicknamed Poggy, which means handsome. With his head freshly shaved, he was the reincarnation of Yule Brenner, the Hollywood actor. He was a breath of fresh air. Apologizing for not having accompanied George to the mountain, Poggy told him the following story. He was coming back from hospital after visiting his wife and their new baby. A driver failed to give him the right of way and Poggy was hurt in the accident. He didn't have the money to pay for an operation in a private clinic. He waited several months for surgery in a public hospital. For a whole year, he couldn't bend his leg. George was under the spell of the guy's rows of immaculate white teeth. Before he left, Poggy mentioned belonging to a basketball team called Tropang Pagong. Comprised of neighbors, the players regularly gather for drinks and stories. What kind of stories? George asked. As reply, Poggy simply invited him. On the following day, George went to Yayan Navarro's workshop. He spent part of the evening among men in their late twenties and mid-thirties with children on their laps or grasping one of their legs. The eyes of the children were glued to the man with the white skin. When George inquired about those who were peeking into, Yayan's older brother explained, Their mothers want us to come back home. Flexing his biceps, Poggy remarked, I am a pussy. Everyone burst into a laugh. Nestor always had his same sad facial expression. A guy with a minuscule ponytail was sitting with his back against the wall. Visibly, the youngest of the group, his nickname was Calabaw. When George asked where his nickname came from, everyone laughed in the room. He is strong, Poggy said. Then, with the middle finger of his right hand, and forming a circle with his left thumb and index finger, he mimicked a back-and-forth movement to even greater laughter from the other adults. The children simply stared wide-eyed. Poggy asked the oldest children standing in the doorframe to get more of the strong beer red horse. George put a 100-pesos bill on the small low table in front of him. Without making eye contact with George, Nestor pulled out another 100-pesos from his pockets. Why are you quiet, Nestor? George asked. I am listening. I am watching you. At one point, Poggy asked George, Do you have children? Yayan interjected, Only women have children. I am gay, George announced, taking the risk of ruining the warm complicity. Nothing happened. The sky didn't fall on him. 
nor was he swallowed by the dirt floor. My sister is a tomboy, Pogi remarked. What do you mean? George asked. She likes women. Later in the evening, with another order of beer, came more laughter and stories. They were told in Filipino with bits of English, mostly nonsensical. They were poorly translated by Pogi to allow the outsider in their midst to catch the gist. George simply enjoyed just looking at the boisterous boys. Though they were a hundred percent straight, his early confession was long forgotten or didn't bother them. For hours, the craziness, the easygoing vibe, and the feelings of these young men for each other was obvious. In the midst of his excitement, George suddenly asked himself, Was this the confrontation with a different culture or realm of experience and feelings? The Tropang Pagong guys didn't read newspapers. They watched reruns of American TV series, national quiz shows, and didn't question the president's so-called war on drugs or his position with regard to China. George enjoyed being in the company of Pogi, Tonio, Nestor, and others. Their life became his life for a whole week. During the day, he would watch them seated on a rough bench in front of a house, with the children playing in the street or in their arms. He would go to the market, pay for some big fish, and, later, eat with them. One day he asked Pogi, Are you happy? The Yule Brinner lookalike frowned, Of course I'm happy. Why do you ask, my friend? George kept for himself what had just crossed his mind as a true revelation. I have never been as happy as you guys. Instead, he mumbled, Sorry. Nestor took George to a carving competition that was taking place on a stage across from City Hall. While George was busy taking pictures, Nestor watched from a distance. Using fruits and vegetables, such as pineapple, broccoli, watermelon, and eggplant, competing artists were chiseling fish and birds of different dimensions and shapes. Flowers were carved out of a watermelon that had incisions that revealed the stripes and lines of the fruit. Green, white, and finally, pink. A reminder of the floral patterns of the traditional formal women's dresses. Later on that day, George met with the boys for another drinking session. At one point, and as he had already shared with the group after the mountain climbing, Nestor said once again, George and I talked a lot. The guy had touched a chord in George. More than the physical unattractiveness, was it because of his awkwardness? In the middle of a party when all the others were making jokes and laughed, the guy looked absorbed in something that he refused to communicate, or couldn't. Nestor's silence was sending George back to his sense of being an outsider. He got hooked, even before the moment Nestor said to him, I am watching you. Shortly after, when George went to his hostess's house, Trinidad, Nestor's great-aunt remarked, He is lazy. Then, with an intriguing smile, she added, If you want to know. She then paused. What? George asked. He drinks. Why all those pimples in his face? 
With her thumb and index finger together, Trinidad did a demonstration to explain, as a child, he would squeeze them all the time. He keeps doing it. He won't listen. He is a nice guy, George sighed. I like him. Trinidad looked puzzled. She repeated, He drinks too much. The next day, George traveled to Manila. While he was at the airport waiting for his flight to Vancouver, Nestor texted him, When are you coming back? In the following months, George was able to connect with his pite bodies via Facebook. After his vacation with his family, Tonio was back on a cruise ship. He posted pictures of his artistic production. A skillful carver, he worked in the kitchen carving panda bears, dogs, and birds out of fruits and vegetables and ice. They are my pets, Tonio messaged to George. One day, he posted a portrait of the President of the Philippines. Within a frame, Duterte's head and shoulders were glazed with jelly. Tonio was missing his wife and daughter, the two women in his life, as he once referred to them, while in Paita. His several years aboard ships had made him proficient in English, and more importantly, George thought the guy was not shy about expressing his feelings. He was used to dealing with non-Filipinos and had lost some of his Asian reserve. Or was it just a different glaze? Do you enjoy the life you are having? They say I am lucky, Tonio replied. One day, the seaman shared on his timeline a photo of his new baby. Relatives and friends from Paita all congratulated him. The loving husband and young father was now serving a sentence that consisted in trying to appeal to the eyes and stomachs of wealthy travelers. Like thousands upon thousands of Filipinos, his life was on hold, away from the people who defined him. The tenuous bond that was formed during George's time in Paita couldn't survive on Facebook. Pogi, Calabar, and others mostly communicated through emoticons and selfies for lack of English skills. One day, the name of Nestor disappeared from George's Facebook friends. Even with Tonio, the exchanges became quite brief and more irregular. The young father was crossing time zones, and George was never able to tell whether he was sleeping, dreaming about his wife and his newborn child, or working with fruits and veggies. Back home, the other Tropang Pakong boys were busy with their life, long and tiring days for little money. Analyzing one's feelings or discussing politics or economics was not among the boys' priorities, contrary to George, who was a retiree with plenty of time on his hands. He quickly came to the realization that to recapture what he had experienced and be joyful again, he would need to return to Paita to get born again. Thank you for listening to this chapter of Goodbye Philippines. Here are some questions from the author, and here are some thoughts to ponder. 1. Do you have drinking buddies? Where do you meet? How often in a month? 2. Have you worked abroad? How many years? 3. What are the pros and cons of working abroad? We'd love to hear from you. To share your thoughts and your answers to the questions, email 
charlesolavoie at gmail.com. Want to receive updates about future episodes of Goodbye Philippines? Don't forget to subscribe to this channel. Also, feel free to share the link to this episode with your friends and on social media. If you love Goodbye Philippines, check out www.charlesolavoie.com for info on Charles's other published works. A link is provided in the description. Until next time.